This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 49. Today on our show, John Fox. Maplethorpe, the perfect moment, Contemporary Arts Center, 1990. There's one sponsor logo at the bottom of the poster, and it's Lightborn. Wow. And Tom didn't bail. He was the only one who didn't bail. John Fox was the editor-in-chief of Everybody's News back in the day, and then he co-founded Cincinnati City Beat in the early 90s. Today, he's the editor of Cincinnati Magazine. He talks to Josh and Darren about what first brought him to Cincinnati, what it was like starting City Beat, and his vision for Cincinnati Magazine. Be sure to listen to the promo code at the end of the episode. As always, you can use that to save 20% on your next Cincy shirts or oldschoolshirts.com order. And with that, let's talk to John Fox. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Just, uh, where'd you come from? Where are you going? Mm-hmm. Yep. How cool was Cincinnati? <laughs> That's, about. That's the gist of it. All right. So, yeah. So, I've, I've known you probably longer than anybody in this town, even this lot. Uh, all I know is you came from St. Louis, I remember you saying. Well, I went to school in, at the University of Missouri. That's where okay. I got my journalism degree from. Um, but no, when I first moved to Cincinnati, it reminded me of St. Louis because when I was in school, a lot of my friends were from St. Louis. So he spent weekends down there oh. and I'm a big baseball fan. So we'd go to Cardinals games and, um, and I remember when uh, I came can we, here, can we edit that yeah. out? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not a Cardinals fan. I grew up in Philadelphia. So I'm, I just I'm like a Phillies fan. Oh, okay. I'm a Phillies fan, but I'm a National League fan. So we'd go to Cardinals games. Um, but when I first came here to interview for a job, which is how I got here, um, it just reminded me of St. Louis a lot, just because of river town, baseball, beer, a different state across the river. It's had a similar feel. I know a lot yeah. of people say that Pittsburgh feels a lot like Cincinnati, but yeah. I had never, at that point, I'd never been to Pittsburgh. So it reminded me of St. Louis. So I was here, um, came for an advertising job, actually, at this agency that doesn't exist anymore. It's called... Stockton West Burkhart. This is like in the late 80s. I smell a t-shirt. <laughs> SWB. And um, and then I did my first writing for Everybody's News. Yep. And then became the editor there. Yeah. And then left that to start City Beat. So yeah. and you and I hooked up somewhere along the way. Yeah, uh, at Everybody's News, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back when it was still over on 7th Street, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. I vaguely remember Everybody's News. It was it the same kind of thing? Yeah. Was it just a free yeah. entertainment? Yeah, paper? it was. Um, and when I first started writing for it, it was up in near UC, and it was really only distributed kind of in the UC area. So it was a really like a heavy short vine UC <laughs> kind of thing. But during the time I was the editor, I was the editor for three years, we went, and it was also bi-weekly. We went to weekly. We had wider distribution. Same idea, but long story short, I just, I wanted to take it, you know, make it more professional because I traveled a little bit and I'd seen papers in other cities like the Chicago Reader or the Village Voice in New York or the LA Weekly or 
Boston Phoenix, you know, these papers that, that this is in the early 90s were really doing well. And here we were, it was a husband and wife who owned everybody's news. And I said, well, we got to do, like I had, you know, like anybody, like I had 10 things that I thought we should do. The number one was we need to pay writers because everybody yeah. was just writing for free. And I was like, I, I have no control as the editor. I have no control because <laughs> if somebody turns it in late, I'm like, what am I going to do about it? You're fired. Well, how am I fired? Yeah. You weren't paying me in the first place. A tradition, by the way, that I think they tried to continue even after yeah. you were gone. So anyway, one thing led to another and they didn't want to do <laughs> anything. Like a great business model. Yeah. They didn't want to do anything that I wanted to do. And, I'm, and so I was kind of at a point where I was thinking, well, so now what do I do? Either I get out of this business, although I loved it at that point, or move somewhere else, which I didn't want to move, or plan C was, well, I guess maybe I should start my own thing. And so we started City Beat. How do you start your own thing? Like, like what goes into that? I mean, you have the idea, you know, like we when we decided to start our yeah. own thing, we're like, well, we got to find somebody who will print the shirts. And I mean, was it that sort of thing? Did yeah. do, Does that exist? Is there like a... Uh, a company that will print a newspaper or magazine for well, you? Well, this is also... Distribution or... Yeah, this is 24 years ago. So this is 1994. Back then, there were more places printing newspapers than there are now. Um, and the number one thing from a printing standpoint is we wanted to... There were plenty of people that we talked to who would print our paper, but we wanted to find a place that printed newsprint seven days a week. You know, that was their number one thing that they did because we... We didn't want to get to a point, a place where like they didn't have access to enough paper or the one printer that they had that printed newsprint broke. And it's like, oh, too bad. Sorry, we can't print you this week. So at that point, there back in 94, there were more options. And we actually, there was still a paper in Hamilton. The Hamilton Journal was its own thing. And they had a new printing plant. And that's, where, that's who printed us for probably the first 10 years of City Beat. So it's like a private label, yeah. but for <laughs> but but like papers, yeah, but awesome. they're printing their own papers, but that takes like three hours a day. So the other twenty one hours of the day, they've got this huge printing plant with a whole big rolls of paper, and union guys are just sitting around looking for something to do. So of course they're going to print. It's fascinating. It's like kind of the woods. They make their chips in Dayton. Yeah, because the plant there is idle otherwise. Yeah. 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 So we could have printed anywhere, but we wanted a newsprint. But now today, like, so today, City Beat, from what I understand, they print in uh, Columbus at the same plant that prints the Enquirer. You know, the Enquirer doesn't even print in Cincinnati anymore. What? Wow. They're printing, they're printing in Columbus. You heard it here first. They shut down their plant because they used to be over by, on Dalton Street, over by the old post office. Yeah. The, the main oh, post yeah. office. That corrugated kind of huge plant. That was where, that was their printing plant. And the Enquirer doesn't even print in Cincinnati anymore. They even print seven days a week anymore, do they? No, they still do. They do? Oh, okay. I think they did. Yeah. Wow. And then for a while, toward the end of my time when I was at City Beat, we were, the Dayton Daily News printed us because they opened that new plant yeah, yeah, up yeah. on they 75. Yeah. So they printed us and then they closed that. Really? They shut that down. Yeah, yeah that's empty now. That's, Man, re- that's released. I feel like that building well, isn't that old. It's not. No. It's 15 years old. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. City Beat's printed in uh, Columbus now along with and the Enquirer. I don't know where the Business Courier prints. So the magazine, since we're not on newsprint, we actually print our magazine in Illinois. Wow. And then they truck it over. Crazy. Or 
mail it. You. So when you start City Beat, because I was just, you know, I would show up and do my CD reviews, and that, like I got paid in CDs, and that was fine yeah. when I first started. So, uh, but you started City Beat, and I know that Dan came from San Diego, mm-hmm. and then Lightborn was involved. What was the, what was the process? So I I had met so Dan Bachrath was the day to day with me. He and I were the partners, and he had worked. He was from Dayton originally, but he had been out in San Diego for a number of years. He worked for the San Diego Reader, which was their weekly paper. And he was in charge of classified advertising. And out there, I mean, San Diego was just exploding in the early 90s. So they had just tons, just pages and pages of apartments for rent ads. And they were also, because they were in California, they were they were early into this whole personal ads thing. Do you even <laughs> remember that? Because yeah. that used to be oh, in the yeah, paper yeah. where people would put in, you know. Single white Almost female. like the, yeah, all, yeah. Or like the misconnection. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so they were making a ton of money on classified ads. So he was the sales <laughs> side. I was the editorial side. And we had met at – he had come back like for Christmas one year. And he just popped in and, and then we stayed in touch. And so when I decided to leave and start my own thing, I reached out to him and I said – because he was into he, – he was going to join with me, and we were going to try to improve everybody's news. But the woman who was running it was one of these classic where I think she was intimidated by Dan because Dan knew a lot about the business. And so she didn't want to hire him versus, you know, the, the old saying is you want to hire people who are smarter than you. <laughs> and she was not into that. <laughs> she want, didn't want anybody smarter than her. So she didn't hire Dan. But I stayed in touch with him, and I said, hey, call up and said – I'm thinking about a startup, starting something new. You could do the, you know, the sales side. I'll do the editorial side. Can you help me figure out how to put a business plan together? And he said, no, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do a startup. That's just too much work. I'd rather take something that's already there and you can improve it than to try to start over from scratch. Because the other thing is, by starting over, everybody's news was still going to be there. So we had we had to compete against them. Yeah. Although everybody, Mike Breen and Steve Ramos and... All the writer Rick Pender, they all came, and you, everybody came. Eventually, with I did. The yeah. fun, here's the funny story about that: is you left. I had no idea that Steve was starting. I was. I, just, I didn't want I to tell. Still... Well, because there was a gap there, so yeah. I left, and I just told everybody uh, that I was gonna just like do freelance writing or something. I didn't. I, I didn't want to tell anybody what I was doing. Of course, because I didn't want them to get ready for me. I also didn't want them to interfere with any behind the scenes work I was going to do. So I just said, hey, I'm just going to like take a break. So of course I didn't tell anybody yeah, yeah. what I was doing. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that the week I found out what was going on, uh, I think it was the, you would release the first issue okay. and I called, because uh, Breen was gone yeah. and who I was supposed yeah. to contact yeah. for my music review. So I, I called, uh, uh, let me see, who did I call? Oh, I remember. One of the other women that was yeah. there, the assistant editor, I can't remember, Jackie, I think. Yeah, Jackie Jachilli. Jackie, yeah. I called her up. I said, so who's the music editor? She goes, check the, the masthead. And I looked, and it's P.F. Wilson, music editor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fine. There so, you go. Yeah. But you came over eventually. Eventually to, so. to do TV, yeah, because I got tired of it. And Steve Ramos, was he the movie? Yeah, he was the movie guy. Yeah, Mike is still the, the still the music, music guy. Rick yep. Pender was a theater person, um, <laughs> still doing theater at, at you know theater reviews yeah. for City yep. Beat. So the, but the missing thing was the money part of it, which I'm sure you guys have dealt with, too. So... What I decided was I need we needed a third partner who would be the money person. What I thought the kind of person I was looking for, I didn't have anybody specific in mind, but what I was looking for was somebody who 
would be into the arts because City Beat would cover the arts, you know, and, and there's plenty of people with money who give money to the arts and support the arts. So I figured I could find somebody that way. And then somebody who would be, you know, hopefully a Democrat or liberal politically because that was going to be our political point of view or at the worst, just not like a Republican, you know, who was like an active Republican. <laughs> somebody who was maybe like apolitical, like I don't sure. care, you can do whatever you want to with your little newspaper. <laughs> um, just tell me and what just, I am. Just wouldn't, yeah, but just, you know, wouldn't like say, no, you've got to be conservative or anything like that. So a couple of people helped me um, contact some folks. And the second person we had lunch with was Tom Schiff, who at that point, his family, well, his family still runs Cincinnati Financial and Cincinnati Insurance. They're in the insurance business. But Tom had started Lightborn Video, I think two years before that. And he also was on the board at the Art Museum and the Contemporary Arts Center. And one of the things that I, the only thing I really knew Tom about Tom was during the Maplethorpe uh, exhibition, he was on the board at the Contemporary Arts Center and all of the sponsors dropped off because they were all pressured to drop off. And if you ever see a poster, and I have one at home still, a poster of, you know, Maplethorpe, whatever it was, what was it called? The Shining Moment or the Something Moment, Perfect Moment. Maplethorpe, the Perfect Moment, Contemporary Arts Center, 1990. There's one sponsor logo at the bottom of the poster, and it's Lightborn. Wow. And Tom didn't bail. He was the only one who didn't bail. And he sponsored That's fascinating. Maplethorpe. Yeah. I, rem- I remember the story. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, yeah. you know, I was too, I guess, too young to yeah. care about the arts and stuff. Right. But I distinctly remember it being such a huge yeah. deal and on the news. And oh, the yeah. That was big time. Yeah. That was pre-me living here, but my wife lived here, and she knew someone that worked for Lightborn. And so they got to go to the yeah, and it was yeah, big, big deal. Yeah. So so I the Work second trip. second person yeah. I met with about City Beat was Tom, and I, so I knew so he had like he checked all the boxes. He was wealthy. He supported the arts. He was he was an entrepreneur because he had already started Lightborn Videos, which was outside the insurance world. You know, so I knew he liked to do things on the side. And even though his brothers is like older brother runs the company and very big in Republican politics. Tom was not political. He was, a, he was like forced to give money to the Republicans because that's what his family did, but he didn't care either way. And he knew, or at least I convinced him that to be a true alternative newspaper in Cincinnati, we had to take a liberal political point of view or else we weren't going to be alternative because the post was still around then. And so the Enquirer and the post were both Republican conservative editorial voices so we had to take and plus that's just the way i am yeah so we had to so he understood all that and he was like yeah that sounds good so i put a business plan together and again long story short he he backed it so he was our money guy which really he didn't give us money what he really did is he he gave he got us bank loans that we wouldn't have been able to get otherwise he co-signed all our loans that we wouldn't have been able to get otherwise just so we could ramp up the beginning and we could start a you know a uh an account with the printer, that kind of thing. They wouldn't have. I mean, just two guys, yeah, you know. I know. I remember. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many screen printers we called when we started. Of like, 
We've, we don't have a business. We just need mm-hmm. somebody to middle <laughs> make, you know, make shirts. 12 shirts for <laughs> us. Yeah, I know. So 100% of uh, the money you bring in is from advertising. Like there was never a plan to charge a buck for uh, No, it was always free because that's what all these other papers did yeah. all around the country. It was always – and that was the model. And that, it's funny because now, you know, that, that predated any, any internet kind of thing. Um, but the idea was that if you were free, then you could put the paper anywhere you wanted – you know, because even if you charged a nickel, it would you'd have to either sell it out of a box or in a UDF or a grocery store or something yeah. where money changed hands. So since it was free, we would just put racks in movie theaters and apartment lobbies and on the street and in bars and restaurants. And they didn't care because it, it, they liked it because then if people were sitting at their restaurant, they could read it. But anyway, we were able to get in front of people because it was free. And that was the trade-off is like whatever we could make from selling it, it was better if we were in front of people because then people would read us. And that's what you're selling to advertisers is the readers. Yeah. Uh, eyeballs. The eyeballs. And so we needed the eyeballs. And the best way to get in front of eyeballs is to give it away. Right. And then when the internet came along, we didn't freak out that much where, you know, a lot of the media, including Cincinnati Magazine, as I remember, they were freaking out because it's like, well, we charge for the paper. How can we give it away for free online that nobody will ever buy it? And we never had to deal with that because we were free in print too. So it never that never really bothered us. Yeah. So and so for a while it's a, not only a two daily paper town, it's a two alternative paper two town. Two alternative and two business weekly papers. Remember oh, besides yeah. the business courier, there was the business journal. Oh yeah. Because I know people that wrote for that too. Yeah, there were two of those. And then Sin Weekly. When did that that was Sin Weekly, oh, the yeah, Enquirer. That was, that was the late nineties. Yeah. That was the late 90s, so they came out, and that was a standalone thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, it was a lot more media, certainly back then, at least in print. <laughs> you know. I remember when I was at NKU, I got the job as the movie critic for The Northerner. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I met Steve Robbins yeah. at, a, at a, a screening. A screening. Yeah. And I was like, this, this is the guy. <laughs> yeah. This is the guy. What I'm that guy? all the time. Huh? What happened to that guy? He's still around. Okay. Yeah, I, I think he's, uh, he's doing... Um, <laughs> If you look him up, you can Google him. He's like he has he does marketing and stuff. He's like I, I run into him every now and then. I don't know what he does, but he's on his own, just doing freelance like website design oh. or marketing oh, yeah. kind of writing. I don't know. I remember chatting with him at the old place on Seventh on yeah. Seventh Street. Yeah. So how do you compete with not necessarily online because, you, like you said, you you weren't coming from a model where you had to generate yeah. revenue right. by giving the paper away, but just so many different places that people can get the information that really only you used to provide. Well, and that's the thing at Cincinnati Magazine now that I continue to deal with is is answering that question. And, and it's not easy because, um, yeah, there's so many ways that people can get information. And our challenge is that to try to convince people that the quality of the work we do is better than the quality of the work that some guy in his pajamas in his basement is doing, you know, clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. And that, um, you know, that our reputation, uh, that if somebody sees an article that uh, from Cincinnati magazine, that they're going to hopefully give that a higher, you know, sort of, uh, uh, they're going to, they're going to trust it more. They're going to think it's a better piece. Than if it's just, you know, somebody just started a blog yesterday and they're writing about, here's my top five uh, restaurants to go to. And yeah. here, but we've been, the magazine's been around for 50 years. 
and we have a tradition of really good restaurant coverage. But the the short answer is, I don't know. You know, you just do the best you can because, unfortunately, there are people who it's like, yeah, some guy's blog that started yesterday, he's got five restaurants, and Cizay Magazine has five restaurants. Eh, what's the difference? You know, they're both the same. They're just, I'm just going to Google restaurants, whatever pops up, I'm going to read. It's hard. Yeah. You know? It's really hard. And um, you just hope that, that people are smart, and unfortunately, people are not smart. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> well, with going online, I mean, did that put more eyeballs on the city? We kind of ever check the numbers with any of the papers oh, yeah. fight for. Yeah, and same with the magazine, too. It, it definitely puts more eyeballs on, but again, it's transient. I mean, you know, even if you picked up City Beat and you're in a bar and it's free, you're going to spend time with it. You know, you're going to flip through it. You're going to spend probably 15 or 20 minutes. But, yeah, you're on and off these websites in 30 seconds, you know. So, you know, same with the magazine. I mean, if you get the magazine and, you know, and, and you've got it in front of you, even if you do this, you're still going to stop and you're going to look at something and maybe you're going to read this. Um, so, you're just going to naturally just spend more time with this than you are online where you just, yeah, boom, link, 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 link. So, that's what we try to sell to advertisers is that, especially advertisers in print, so it's like, yeah, people are spending time with this. And online, they're just, you know, they're just bouncing around all the time. What about from an overall editorial standpoint as far as the content goes? So you can do a, a much deeper dive, it seems, even though you could spend a lot of time working on an internet story. I think you're right. It still has that in the back of people's mind. Well, this is still on the internet. Whereas, you know, the articles I've written for Cincinnati Magazine in the past, you know, the fact checkers call me oh, and yeah. they've got it. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think people realize that. No, they don't. And the other thing, too, is, and and I've only been the editor of the magazine for a little bit more than a year now, so I'm still sort of getting a sense of what, I wanted, what I'm trying to do with the magazine. But to me, two of the things that really set the magazine apart are, I think, are two things that don't work that well online, which is the design. I mean, we put a lot of time and effort into the design of this, and we shoot, you know, photo shoots all the time. And we yeah, have, big, colorful fonts yeah, and graphics. And, 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 you know, I mean, we shot this of Bootsy Collins. We shoot all this. And that just, I, I don't know, it just doesn't translate that well onto your phone. Yeah. No. That kind of thing. <laughs> right. 72 DPI. Yeah. And then secondly, you know, these feature stories tend to yeah. be three Long, or 4,000 words. I was going to say, you'd be scrolling for And people just, again, aren't yeah. going Now, you know, we do plenty of short things. Like that is my enough. first move. Let me scroll the yeah. end, see how, oh, okay, okay, I can do yeah. this. I can do that. <laughs> and we do plenty of short things, and they do well online. But so to me, the two best, like the two things that make Cincinnati Magazine stand apart don't really work on a phone. So I'm trying to figure out what to do instead, you know. So I think if we just emphasize the shorter pieces could you do it the more timely thing? Could you do like a tease, just like uh, you know? You could check out the full article. Yeah, but it's almost like the opposite because in print you're teasing. Hey, go online. Like for instance, on the, like in any of these stories, what we'll say is go online and you'll see all the pictures, more pictures from the yeah. Bootsy photo shoot. What we've never done is when you're online, say go to the magazine and read it in print. You'll like it better. Yeah. We Feel it. Touch it. Yeah. Yeah. Hear the pages crinkle. So what we do instead is, I think, so the mag, the print magazine tends to have an older readership because people, like the average age of our subscriber for the magazine is like 50, 51, which makes sense. So that's, I mean, I'm older than that, but that makes sense because 
we grew up with this kind of thing. You know, we like print. We're not afraid of print. We like it. We like to hold it. We yeah, like people like it tangible. It. You like to touch yeah. it. Which is why I think the Enquirer still does have it does. print every But it's day. mostly an older readership. Right. The problem is that everybody's trying to chase the younger demographic. And they don't. They just didn't grow up with print, so they don't like print. So I think what we've figured out with the magazine is that uh, let's play to our strengths. So graphics, longer stories, maybe stories that are maybe of more interest to people who are in their 50s in the print, but then online, shorter, easier to digest, and stories that are maybe more uh, interesting for a younger demographic. And so we end up kind of with two different things that we're doing at the same time. I, what I'd love is that the person who's like 28 who's reading us online will eventually like, oh, I'll buy a subscription. I don't know if that's ever going to happen or not. But So we kind of have two different audiences in a way. Yeah. A print audience that's older and a digital audience that's younger. So are those, those 50-somethings that are your main audience right now, have they been with you for 20 years? Are they just discovering you like, oh, this is for me no, now? No, it's um, <laughs> it's pretty steady. I've seen the numbers. I don't remember exactly what the numbers, but um, I mean, it seems like it's something that once you get a subscription for, you're probably just going to renew, renew, renew. And, uh, what I was going to say is we have a pretty high renewal rate where I, I want to say like 75% of people who are subscribers have been subscribers for at least five years. So it's good and bad. I mean, the good thing is they stay with us. I don't know if bad's the right word, but I, I wonder how many of those people just like, they just automatically do it. Like, oh, yeah, I'll renew. And, but are they really spending a lot of time with it? I mean, there's, you, on one, the one hand, you could say, well, they're, if they're paying for it, then I don't care if they read it. But, <laughs> but, I do, I do, but I'm the editor. Yeah. I do care. But I do, think that, I do think that the people put a premium on the quality of the work into it. I mean, I, I signed up for the Atlantic because I believe yeah. in the people who are right. doing the writing there. Mm-hmm. And and I believe that they're going to give me stories that will be better written um, that I won't... There aren't stories I'll get anywhere yeah. else, and they'll be more entertaining because they're better writers. Well, exactly. And that's the whole... I mean, that's exactly what you want people to think. The question is, are there enough people who think like we do to the, that the numbers can add up and make it make sense. Make sense financially. Yeah. Yeah, so far, it is. Yeah, but but you know, you just wonder because yeah, you want new people to discover it all the time, and you certainly don't want people to <laughs> die off on the upper end. Yeah, right. Um, but you want you know you, you might you might listen to a guy who started a blog yesterday tell you where he likes to eat, but you're not going to listen to that guy tell you who the top doctors in the city are. True, true. And it also depends on. The kind of person you are. If you're the kind of person who uh, really want is really into restaurants, and so like we have, a, we had a top ten best new restaurants list, and it was restaurants like Postmark and Clifton. It was Sartre and Over the Rhine. It was Eighth and English and O'Brienville. These are all sh- small chef-driven restaurants. You know, uh, Haru downtown, which is a Korean restaurant. Um, please, over in Over the Rhine. You know. There's a lot of people who love that kind of thing, and there's a lot of people who don't care about that sort of thing. <laughs> they're going so, to Skyline. They're going to Skyline or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, dining is an interesting thing because I think dining is, again, there's different kinds of people. There are people who they want to try new things, and they want to go to a place they've never been to before, and they want to eat something with a weird name because that's fun, you know. 
But then there's plenty of other people who's like, I'm not going to that kind of place because I'm going to feel intimidated. You know, I don't know the names of any of these ingredients. Uh, it's Is it going to be kind of pretentious? Do I have to buy a $75 bottle of wine? You know, et cetera, et cetera. But isn't that Cincinnati mentality? A little bit. Anyway, of like, I, I drive to wherever for work. Yeah. But when I go home, I go home to the part of town that I've lived in my whole life, and I go to the same places mm-hmm. I've gone to my whole life. Like, you know, we had Derek Bauman on the show mm-hmm. talking about the challenges of, you know, mass transportation yeah. and the streetcar and yeah. just the, you know, uh, the up and comings of over the Rhine. And it's it seems like it's those same hurdles. It's like there are just going to be people in this city that no matter how who tells them or how many times you tell them or how well you tell them, they're not going to go eat and over the Rhine. Yeah. No, I agree. But what you hope, what we hope, and I think in general all of us hope, is that there are enough people who are adventurous and who do want to try new things. And whether that's so they'll go to the restaurant, they'll go to your store in over the Rhine, they'll go to... Uh, they'll pick up this magazine. So it's like anything. So the people who are interested in good restaurants, my main goal with that is they've got to read the magazine. I've got to reach them. And if they're not reading the magazine and they don't trust our opinion on those restaurants, then that's a problem. The people who live a mile from where they grew up and do the same thing every weekend in a way, I don't really care about reaching them because you're right. First of all, you got to convince them that trying something new is a good thing. And then once you've convinced them of that, then, well, here's 10 things that you could try. And I guess I'm just not that interested in spending that energy trying to convince people that trying something new is fun. So how do you balance, because it's got to be a balance for you to figure out how much to pay attention to the people who you know are subscribers and And you know, you you know what I mean. Like yeah. you know how set in their ways, yeah. quote unquote, that they are, and also you know the try new things approach. Because don't you risk alienating the same people we were just talking about by so trying so, to get them to try something? Different? So here's what I've here's what I've figured out over all the years of, of being the editor of a magazine or a newspaper. So if you think about, if you divide everybody into two groups, and let's just say what we were just talking about, it's the people who, who are adventurous and the people who aren't adventurous. Or it's people who uh, love over the Rhine and people who don't want to go there. Or however you divide people. Sure. The reality... West side and every other part Okay, okay there's that too. All right. All right. There's that too. Um, I, what I think is that the people who... Uh, and you could even go young and younger and older. You could go urban and suburban, however you want to divide people. But um, I think that people who are uh, older, uh, more adventurous, more open-minded, they want to know what the new things are because they either want to try them or they want to at least be able to tell their friends that they heard about, oh, did you hear about this new restaurant over the Rhine? called Sartre. It's right next to Rheingeist and blah, blah. And they've never been there, but they want to know about it because they want, they're interested in what's new. And maybe they'll try it. Hopefully they will. But even if they don't, they want to know about it. And it's the same if you live in the suburbs, you want to know what's going on. If you're that kind of person, you want to know what's going on downtown and over the Rhine because that's where the action is, you know. But if you're the other kind of person in general, you don't really want to know what the other people are doing. You don't really care. You don't want to know. 
So I don't think you could ever, in my opinion, is I don't think you can ever alienate the adventurous people by by continuing to feed them information about new things because they just eat it up. Mm-hmm. They either want to do it or they at least want to know about it so they can tell their friends and they'll be the first one, like at a party or something, like, oh, yeah, I know about that store or I heard about that museum or I heard about that play or I heard about that new bar or I heard about uh, this you know movie that's coming to town to be filmed or whatever. Right. They want to know about that. So I don't think you can ever turn them off. But the, uh, the flip side, you could hit people over the head all day long, the other kind of people, and they're just like, you know what? That's great, but I don't. I'm never going to go to over the Rhine, so I don't want to know. Yeah. It it's, doesn't matter. I think it speaks a lot to you. Carabas now. <laughs> I think well, it speaks a lot to your career, though, that you come from a like. I think it helps Cincinnati Magazine that, that you come from City Beat, yeah. Because City Beat is all about, yeah. It's all about people who are like, what's the newest music? What's the newest movie? Where you know what's going know. on this weekend right. in every part of town, you know, and. I feel like Cincinnati Magazine needed something yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe so. I hope. I, I appreciate you saying that, and I, I hope that that's true. And I'd like to think I agree with you. I'd like to think that I'm able to maybe talk about some new things. But at the same time, I have to realize, and I, I do, the audience, and it can't just be a hundred percent about over the right. line. And that's you what know? I mean about yeah. the balance. Yeah. Is there's a there's oh, yeah. got to be a balance in yeah. there. Like we just did, um, like we just our new issue, our November issue that's just out now is called Shop Local, and it's about independent um, stores. And what we tried to do is we use the word neighborhood, but we tried to make it about places that are independently owned, like you guys, and in neighborhoods. Now, if I had done this story at City Beat, it would probably be 100% over the Rhine, downtown, Newport, <laughs> right. Covington. Yeah. yeah. But you'll find in here there are stores in Milford and Loveland and Westchester and, Heck yeah. um, you know, Fort Mitchell and Fort Thomas. Just because this? we had, you know, because that's where people are spending time too. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, and those are neighborhoods and business districts. So, yeah. And like we also did a one, uh, like this one on pizza that we did this summer, top pizza places around Cincinnati. We ranked them. We went out and visited. We went to like 75. But again, all independently owned. No wow. chains. You know, if you need a consultant for right. the next time say. we do that article. I'm well, <laughs> that's the thing, too. I mean, night. I don't know. Do young people realize, or maybe they do subtly, that there's a permanence to the magazine where I think they know if they go online. You don't know, and that's a big thing now, yeah. right now. You don't know who's writing those. No, reviews. you don't know who it is. And, and that's the thing is, the magazine's been around for fifty years. What I'd like to think is that people th- feel like there's that's fifty years that gives them some credibility and yeah. some authority. I don't know if people yeah. really think that or not. I'd like yeah. to think they do. Well, I know it's a big controversy now because there was, I was hearing, uh, I think it was on NPR, some guy developed a program that will go through and rate yeah. Amazon reviews and yeah. find out which ones are likely not real reviews. Yeah. There's certain key words and phrases yeah. that marketers will use. Right. Know, yeah. Right. So, I yeah. love this. That must be a fun task. Jeez. It's interesting, though. Because well, it's probably all, them. they probably have an algorithm that probably does exactly. it Exactly, yeah, yeah. There's, but there's certain phrases. Uh, this restaurant, and, you know, it sounds more markety speak than, than... Well, so, know. like, okay, so now I'm going to ask you guys questions. So, you know, with <laughs> uh, your business, I mean, here you are, independently owned, just some guys doing this thing. So, you know, what you're trying to... I'm sure you're in the same boat. You're trying to convince somebody... They can buy a T-shirt cheaper somewhere else, I'm sure, online. Yeah. Uh, you know, why should they spend more money with you? 
uh, and I'm sure the answer is the quality, the the thought and the effort that went into the designs and the hopefully the clever play on words and all that kind of stuff that you know, you're not going to find on you know online. And I'm sure you probably try to sell the fact that well we're a couple of Cincinnati guys who we're we're in your hometown. We're like you. You know, we're all in this together. And you know, hopefully that resonates with certain people. But I'm sure when you said that to people, they're just like. That's five dollars more than I can buy it over here. So sorry. I, I was I was born and raised here. Right. Darren came here for college and never left. Yeah. And PF, you've been here how long now? Uh, Twenty five years. Yeah, and I've been here thirty years. Yeah. yeah. So you know, all of us have memories from you know college at least. Uh, you know, on however long we've been here, I have memories even from childhood. You know, Uncle Al show and yeah. stuff like that and. And so when we started, it was it was one hundred percent about the nostalgia, like the feelings that you know get stirred up when you see a certain thing that instantly takes you back to where you saw that. And and honestly, when we started it, it was more of a labor of love, I think, than anything else because it's you know it was so niche. Our business model up to that point had been let's market to the world with movie quotes and. Yeah, yeah, references to TV funny shows and, that yeah, right. and so to do like an all sensey site or have that concept was like how how big is this well and how many times can we go to it you know and what we learned was and we've said this you know in interviews before is with the funny t-shirts people would see 200 designs and they'd say I like this one mm-hmm. And then with Cincy shirts, if you showed it to someone who's been here any amount of time, they're like, I want all of these, yeah. you know? And and I don't think it was really until we opened our first store and we actually got to spend time with our yeah. customers right. who we'd been selling to for four years that we got to see that emotion in other people too, you know? Darren talked about it, about people coming in, they see a shirt and they're like, you know, my grandfather worked at Swallins or yeah. I had a key to the Playboy Club, you know, like that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah it's coming in, they just want to talk. Yeah. And it's like, they're not going into Walmart or, no. you know. We saw a lot of events to... when we were doing more events in the past that people would come up to the booth and say, oh, yeah, I remember this and do you have this? And we'd be like, oh, and we'd have to call these guys and say, hey, people are asking about this we should do a shirt yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it and we you know we immersed ourselves in social media and tried to be part of conversations about cincinnati and not just be a hundred percent selling to people all the time and i think that helped us a lot and you know we were doing something that especially at the time nobody else was yeah. doing of like just embracing the history and then that evolved into a nice mix of what we have today of like the historical stuff and the memory lane stuff, but also the general pride yeah. of, of living here. And then the hot new stuff, whether it's FC or Fiona, you know, like we are lucky to have been put in a position to take advantage of that stuff when it does come along. But the genesis of all of it was just love for the city and the yeah. memories that we have that we've made. Here. I think, you know, as somebody who's not from here originally, I think it's it's interesting how things have definitely changed where it used to be, certainly Cincinnati natives, like, were almost embarrassed by this nostalgia kind of stuff. Or, 
you know, or, or what makes Cincinnati unique. Um, it was almost like, yeah, yeah, we, we got that, but that's stupid, or I don't care, or let's not talk about that yeah. kind of thing. The Mark Swain quote. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we're not cool. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> certainly, I think in the last 10 years, and, and maybe it corresponds to, but I think, I think it's, I think they feed into each other, but it kind of corresponds to, I think, the urban core kind of coming back around over the Rhine. I mean, Over the Rhine's a classic example. People were embarrassed about Over the Rhine. Absolutely. It was horrible. You wouldn't ever go there. Except <laughs> I, a couple, yeah. like if you're in college, maybe yeah. there was Main one Street. place that you would go to. Yeah. Know, just or, to say you went to Over the Rhine. Or like, you know, they're filming a movie about the drug problems. Yeah. So yeah. let's shoot it in Over the Rhine. Because <laughs> nobody's there and we you know, can make yeah. it look like a rundown city. Yeah. yeah. But I yeah. think, so I think, you know, again, whether one fed into the other or they happen at the same time, but I think t- obviously... Now, I mean, people are feeling good about Cincinnati in general. For sure. And then they then, uh, again, I don't know which caused which, but now they look back. And so even things like, uh, yeah, like old stores or, you know, Shilatos and Swallows and all these things or the whole chili thing or whatever it is that you want to talk about, people embrace that now. And it's like, yeah, this is our like we're, we used to be that was embarrassing. And now it's, hey, this is quirky. Yeah. And quirky's kind of cool, you yeah. know? And it didn't used to be. Right. And it's happening everywhere. I mean, there's it is. really a Cincy shirts in every city. There like is. Cleveland has, yeah. what, four of them. And it's yeah. like, yeah, well, what's in Cleveland? Well, they're... Yeah. Well, know, the other thing we're learning... T-shirts. <laughs> I know. We just... Like, something we just learned this year is that you can break it down even into individual parts of town and not even Cincinnati as a whole. You know, we opened that store in Loveland this year. Oh, yeah. And we learned about the Loveland Frogman, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, Sam the Smoking Chimp, you know, th- like just little parts yeah. of the, whether it's an urban legend or an actual, you know, an actual thing. And, you know, maybe even if it was something that would be super controversial if it happened today, you know, there's a lot of stuff with yeah. the zoo. Uh, that, you know, they would never be able to get away with. And so, you know, today it's like we're finding out parts about individual parts of town and those parts of town embrace I agree. these old stories. I and, agree. You know, that's what that's what I love about this is, you know, like learning learning stuff every day of people that, you know, we used to just serve the stuff everybody knew and yeah. now we embrace when people send us have you ever thought about doing a shirt about this or that? And you do the history and yeah. you're like, wow, I never knew this. Well, and I think, and that's one of the things that I'm excited about with the magazine is I just feel like I'm at the magazine at a good time. You know, I think people want to know what's going on. You know how we talked about there are people that want to know and there's people who don't want to know. Uh-huh. But I think, I, I just sense that there's more migration of people into the I want to know Absolutely. scene because... They're realize because they're hearing, and it's getting reinforced that Cincinnati is actually on the upswing. That there are parts of town Absolutely. like over the Rhine that that are worth visiting. You're not going to get killed if you try to park your car on the street. Um, like that whole kind of thinking is is really go- starting to go away. And so that's I'm hopeful, and maybe you guys are too. That 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 the bucket of the, or the group of people that want to know is is growing. And it's both people moving from out of town who come in naturally wanting to know because they want to discover right. the city. Yeah. Um, but then also these long time or natives, right. it's just, it's getting, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's now, now it's cool 
to want to know more about Cincinnati when not that long ago it wasn't. Right. The and, best example of that, I think, is Blink. Yeah. Because that yeah. wasn't just the people who no. wanted to come down oh, for no. a cool artsy festival. I mean, that was a million people from all over. Well, and there were people, and I was there walking next to people who were pushing babies in strollers who clearly had not been. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I made it two blocks, and we were like, all right, we're back. I know, but I'm just saying, but clearly had not been downtown. <laughs> but it was amazing. Yeah. In a long time. Yeah. And they were like, I mean, it's stupid little things, but like they were not even paying attention to the lights. They were just walking out into traffic. You know? I'm like, come on. At least <laughs> yeah. have the decency to like understand what red and green lights mean. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I feel like but that it festival was wasn't really it wasn't really even promoted that well. No. Like I didn't we were doing well, the, also was, and we the were weather like, was beautiful too. So yeah. it was it turned out to be a great night and it was a just great so, couple of nights. It was just so wild because it's like we we were doing the shirts and we didn't know what to prepare for yeah. and we were we we printed about five percent of probably what we should have. Yeah. And uh yeah, it was just one of those things. It was like, wow, no one saw this no. coming. No. Yeah, but there's been several examples of that. I mean, Bunbury Music Festival is another yes. one. Like, we signed up for that the first year, and I don't remember how much we paid to be a vendor there, but it wasn't that much. And then you look at, fast forward to today, and it's got yeah. giant acts. We couldn't, and, we couldn't get people to work it. He had to call me on the phone and say, I need help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone someone bailed out. Bailed out. They didn't want to come. It was the yeah, Luminosity. Yeah. The same yeah. way. And that was, the, that was the guys who did Blank, but Luminosity yeah. in Washington Park. You know, look at yeah. if you look at our um, our relationships with some of the local businesses. You know, we can have a, a Christian Moore line with all these iconic beer brands, and we can also have a Braxton, which yeah. is just like yeah. totally modern and Fine. you know, but still comes from that same like we got it started on our own. This wasn't you know. So do do those guys do all those businesses um, want to work with you because you're local? Is that important to them? You know, it's funny. Um, Eyeballs for so many, for so long, <laughs> we were the ones knocking on the pavement, door. knocking on the door, and we've been lucky to have people who get what we're trying to do and want to come to us. And then there's still the stubborn, like they I don't know if they don't get it or they just don't want to work with us. But we just like scratch our head of like we're we're embracing all things iconic Cincinnati. Yeah. You're a Cincinnati icon. Like what? Like what is? Well, maybe they think the you're drawback too small or something. Or, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but you know, three stores and thirty thousand likes on Facebook is in a city this size is an apparel company. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like it's. Yeah, a, I, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but uh, <laughs> it, it's frustrating at times. But it also is very flattering when you know some of these businesses come to us and say, "How can we? How can we be a part of this?" Yeah. Well, and again, I think. 2018 going into 2019 is a good time for all of us to be promoting Cincinnati because just things are good in general. Things are on the upswing. We're getting national attention. I think FC Cincinnati has helped a lot. You know, who would have thought, again, 10 years ago even, that that Cincinnati would have been able to get into a, a you know, brand new into a major league league. Yeah. It just, you know, I mean, how many years have we had a minor league hockey team it's never gone anywhere in terms of sniffing the NHL. Right. But so I think it's a good time for us. And, and, and I think that does break down these barriers, these stubborn people who think, you know, and I'm sure you guys used to hear it too. They would be like, well, if it's in Cincinnati, it must not be any good because 
if it was any good, it wouldn't be in Cincinnati. Yeah. Kind of, you know, it it's is, that whole thing. All of it is, you know, the the upgrades in OTR, but the restaurants, like how many mm. national yeah. food blogs mm. are talking about the hidden gems in yeah. Cincinnati. And the art scene is the, it's always incredible. been. The Hollywood shooting yeah. movies right. here, you know. Right. It is all happening at the same time, which is so great to see because, yeah. you know, as a kid, I mean, I grew up in St. Bernard, so I was never far from downtown, but I was close enough that when we would go visit my dad or something, I could tell the city just shut down at five. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> when I worked at P and G, it was the same way. I decided to live downtown and I felt like I was the only one, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and now it's down fifth yeah, street. And, yeah. I would be frustrated, but at night of like, what? there's no place to go eat. You know? And you grew up in that, you grew up kind of in between because like your parents' generation was back when downtown was it like, the only stores were downtown, like the department stores. Yeah. You would, you know, the all, the, all the stories about riding the streetcar downtown to go shopping at Maybelline Carew or Shillitoes <laughs> or something like that. Pokes. And that's where the, the act, like that's the only place you could get that kind of thing. And then, but you kind of grew up at a time where, you know, people shun downtown. Yeah. You know, other than the stadium, you know, other than the sports games. But again, even back then when they built Riverfront Stadium, people would go to games, turn around and, that's I mean, they right. were hightailed right. out of town. And there was nothing around it. No, it there was really wasn't. The stadium. It really Washington was way Light. out by yeah. itself on the river. Yeah. And Fort Washington Way was this huge chasm that you would never walk across. Yeah. Because it was like all it was was ramps. Yeah. You know. With the exception of Pete Rose Way, where yeah. you got your little line of, of night Flanagan's. Flanagan's. Caddies. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Sleepouts. Yeah. Sleepout Louis. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hurricane Surf Club is the one I can never find the logo <laughs> for. I always remember that really? airplane that was like crashed into the front of the building. Now the front of the building. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 Hurricane Surf Club. Well, I know it was called that. that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we had Dean Gregory on. We were talking to him about like going to the boathouse was like, you know, I went for my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary. It was a huge deal because there was nothing there and it was just like uber fancy, mm-hmm. you know, and it's still it's still yeah. nice and it's right. still a great place to celebrate. But, you know, like, it was like, oh my gosh, we're going downtown to eat. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I it was just, now yeah. it's like, where do you want to go downtown to eat? Yeah, yeah. I know. It's and, and again, you were talking about good restaurants and they're happening in, in neighborhoods now. I mean, I live in Clifton and Postmark is in Clifton and, We've never had like a really nice restaurant, and now we do. And there's, you know, you can find them all over the place. And uh, one of the top ten is this place called Chez Renee, which is out in Milford. And so anyway, you know, it's not just downtown and over the Rhine. Shout out to Walt's Hitching Post in Independence. That's my that's my favorite oh, yeah. spot. Oh, yeah. right, maybe. <laughs> Chili time in Saint Bernard. Chili time, iconic, <laughs> iconic. And if you're scared and just want the suburban experience, Anderson Township is yes. not a lick of anything. No. New. We got to, we got to see you later. That's our big, that's our big exotic restaurant, and it's great, by the way. Yeah. But the Beachmont Mall is outside now. Uh, it is, yeah. <laughs> yep. So is so, that really cool? Is that so is that Cincinnati Magazine? So like, what what do you see as the future of like the evolving of the magazine? I mean, what? How long have you been there now? Just a little bit more than a year. So like, what are your what what were your visions when you came there and? And do you- so what I what I want to do what I wanted to do, and I think we have done in the year that I've been there, is I just I looked at some areas that I'm interested in. And I've always been interested in going back to my time at City Beat, like you were talking about bringing a City Beat mentality, and and I noticed it just seemed to me like the magazine had gotten a little bit away from things like the arts and politics, 
and some social issues. And I just, I, I like that writing about that kind of stuff. So I've introduced a little bit more of that. You know, one of the first things I did is we did a music issue, which I'm a huge music fan. And I just felt like, particularly, band, you know, we put the national on the cover, but we did this big profile of Bootsy Collins. We did a big interview with Chuck Cleaver. And I just felt like those are folks that, you know, anybody could appreciate here in Cincinnati. They're as much icons as anybody else is. So uh, a little bit more arts and politics. But then what I'm also trying to do is maybe do more uh, profile stories, more stories about people. I think sometimes when you're writing about the city, it's easy to write about companies or organizations or restaurants. And if you look at our restaurant reviews now, we always have a picture of the chef um, because instead of the well, there's the food there too. Yeah. But but we're always trying to put the chef in there because, especially the way restaurants are these days, you know they're called chef driven. And really, if you think about it, um, any of the really good restaurants in town now, you can if if you don't know who the chef is, it wouldn't take you very long to figure out who it is. So there's Jose Salazar and there's Daniel Wright and there's Sean Robert and and people like that. So. Just putting a little bit more emphasis on the people behind the stories than the institutions. And and I like that. And I think, I know it sounds kind of weird to say this because it's almost like so obvious, but people like reading about people. I mean, people relate to people. I mean, so, that's why we do this yeah, podcast, yeah. you know, is, uh, you know, we are, we hope to have the, the Johnny Benches and the Thane Maynards, but we also love to have the guy in... Yeah. Blue Ash, who designs roller coasters for, yeah. you know, places around the world. Right. And uh, the guy who gives haunted tours in Cincinnati mm-hmm. and, you know, that kind of stuff is just as important. And I think just as fascinating, you know, to people I've talked to who listen to this every week, they're just yeah. like, I love hearing from people that I don't know who they are right. or, I, or I'm familiar with their work, but right. I don't know their story. You know, that sort of thing. So That's like why in, we do this podcast. Yeah. So like in the November issue, we did, you know, you mentioned Loveland. We did a story about the couple that runs Tano Bistro out yeah. there. Yeah. My neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we wanted to write about, because everything's coming, finally reopening now. And so right. we wanted to write about that and kind of the story of the fire and how the community came together to save the building and kind of save the businesses. And so we just, just wanted to tell that story through their eyes. And if you see in the magazine, there's a big picture of them. We could have written that story more about sort of the nuts and bolts of the fire and how much money and effort went into the building and all that. But we really wanted it to be about them. And through them, I mean, they certainly told the story. Like, he was there the night, that Saturday night. He had worked that night and he'd gone home and the fire had happened overnight. And they all came, you know, in the middle of the night, came back to their restaurant to watch their restaurant burn down. And, uh, and then the struggle to just, you know, reopen it. Yeah. And um, so those are, I guess that's what I'm trying to do is maybe just tell these stories, but through maybe a little bit more through the people involved in it than um, sort of the here are the facts kind yeah. of thing. And that, again, that goes back to why people will have a subscription. I you think know? so. Because they can get the facts right. off right. the news right. or, you know. That's what I hope. A, a you quick know, li- online blur. Yeah. Well, on the political sure. side, how you know it's you can't be the you know the liberal voice like you were at City Beat. How do you you know is is it that fair and balanced that we always hear about, or is it? No. Again, I think what we try to do is do stories about the people. So uh-huh. you're right. I can't. I mean, I could, I guess, if I wanted to, but <laughs> I, but I don't think it's appropriate to just be out there writing about. Hey, I think you should vote for. 
Aftab Purval, you know, or you should vote for the Democrat, you know. But what we can do, though, is I think write stories about people who are involved in politics. So, for instance, in the October issue, we did a story about Rachel Roberts, who owns a yoga studio in uh, Newport, and she has won it over the Rhine. She lives in Newport. Well, she, uh, and she's also a Hindu, uh, practicing Hindu, she's running for state Senate in Kentucky against the incumbent. She's running as a Democrat, which is neither here nor there. But what we did is we told her story, her personal story, which is really interesting. She's a small business owner, been through a lot of different things, kind of a free spirit. But she, we're using her to kind of tell, tell the story of there's all these women who are running for office this fall, most of them for the first time, this whole Me Too movement. And so instead of writing about that and sort of doing a, a sort of a dry analysis of that, maybe and how that impacts locally, we decided to profile her and use her. And there's plenty of information about in the story about her, about how many women are running across the country. Kentucky, not surprisingly, uh, is one of the worst states in the country for women who are in elective office. So, yeah, she's a Democrat and, and a liberal and all that, and I'm sure that had something to do with why I picked her to, to write about. But it's really, again, sort of telling her story, but using that to tell a bigger story and to be timely about it. That's in the October issue, and here comes the election. One of my big challenges with the magazine is that we have pretty long lead time. So, like, this week we're sending the December issue to the printer, and here we are in the third week of October. So... It does limit me a little bit, like the FC Cincinnati story, for instance. I really wanted to find a way to write about that story as it was developing. Are they going to get into MLS? Or where are they going to put the stadium? All that kind of thing. But that story was changing so much that we just never felt like there was a, a good time to uh-huh. write that story. Because what I don't want to happen is the thing's at the printer for three weeks and the story completely changes. Sure. And then here it comes. It's like, oh, never mind. You know, that story, it's on page 53. Never mind. Do you have any desire to be topical like that? Is there a way to do that with your online website? Well, there is. So with online. Supplement in between the issues? And we try to. But like anyone, we don't really have much of a budget for online. So it's not like, because that's always the answer is, well, why don't you just have online only content? Well, that sounds good. But we have to pay the writers, yeah, you know. Exactly. I yeah. committed to that a long time ago <laughs> to pay people to write and to pay people to take pictures and to pay people to d- illustrate things. So it's it's a budget thing, you know. Sure. I'd love to do more of it. And we can be – and we have done that. With FC, for instance, we have written a lot online. Uh, actually, I have an FC Cincinnati story going up uh, later today just about the playoff game that just happened. And we are covering that. We do have a blogger who writes about the Reds. We have a blogger who writes about the Bengals, uh, and now one that writes about FC Cincinnati. So, and that stuff never makes it into print. Yeah. So we try. Yeah. But when it comes to print, though, I've got to plan it out ahead of time, and it's got to be the kind of story, like I said, that is going to uh, not change while it's at the printer. Yeah. And that's a, that's the other reason to do profile stories, because really, a person's story is a person's story, um, and if you do it right. You're really not going to run the risk unless, heaven forbid, they get hit by a bus while the story's in the printer, Yeah, which, knock on wood, has never happened to us. But still, it's even good to go back and read those old episodes. I mean, I know – or episodes, uh, issues. Like, uh, 
Google Books yeah. has like yeah. an archive yeah. of everything. Yeah. I know we flipped yeah. through those yeah. PDFs. Yeah. Looking like, for old businesses. Yeah. I don't know whose yeah. job that was to scan every page and yeah. I mean even like the keywords you can search for. It's like all yeah. live. Yeah. Like they converted the text to live text. I know we've we've looked through plenty of all that. Of happened that. before I came on board, but I remember them talking about that. That that Google Books reached out to them, and I yeah I don't know who did it. But that was back is when that I guess Google or is that is that Cincinnati no, Google, employees that went through? Well, I don't know. That. I don't. I never heard who did it. But Go- that was Google's idea back when I guess they were trying to digitize every printed word yeah. that's ever yeah. been yeah. published, um, <laughs> and then they kind of gave it up because it's like that's impossible. But um, yeah, so you're right. You can find that old stuff, and it's fun. I mean, I one of the first things I did when I started at the magazine, I went back and I found Volume One, Issue One, in 1967. And I read the editor's note about, here's what we want to do with this magazine. And so I read that, and it was interesting that this, whoever this person was, there were some things that they said that they want to do with the magazine that I was like, yeah, that still resonates today. And I wrote my very first, in in each issue, I have a little editor's note that I write. And in the very first one I wrote, I quoted a couple of sentences from that first one in 1967, just to say, there was one thing that was really funny, like, that I f- forget what it was. It was like, ha, ah, isn't it funny that back in 1967 they were talking about this? But, like, his philosophy or vision for what he wanted the magazine to be, uh, to, talk, to, to talk about how great Cincinnati is and the, to com- connect people with uh, events and businesses and things like that, still, to me, resonated 50 years later. Absolutely. So now that you've done both, what what is your... Do you have a, a preference of what you, I mean, you're working on something that has this long lead time and it's these big stories and, you know, coming from a place where it was like every week you yeah. got to have new content and it's all about the right now. And like, what did you, what did you enjoy better? Well, I think what I'm doing now is perfect for me now at my age and kind of my experience. It's, I like doing it. I like, we put a lot of thought into, uh, PF said we we fact check everything we you know we put a lot of effort into these stories and, and I'm I like that but I will say back in the early days of City B you know one of the things that I'm proud of is uh, I was involved when they did their 20th anniversary issue I wrote a lot of that and one of the things I did is I went back through the previous 20 years and I picked a story from each of the 20 years of City B that I thought was sort of representative of that year. Like what were people talking about that year? And then I wrote a little, little update underneath it. Like whatever happened to this or, or where is this today? And what I, it's sort of, I always knew it, but I, it really reinforced to me that we, we wrote about the kind of issues before anybody else did. And almost a hundred percent, the things that we said were the right thing to do all eventually happened. So, like, back in the day when, you know, Article 12 in Cincinnati, like, actually allowed the city of Cincinnati to discriminate against gay people. And we wrote over and over and over again about how it's wrong to discriminate against gay people. Gay people should have all the same rights and privileges as anybody else. Yeah. We wrote about how it was wrong that to say police shot so many unarmed African-American people and there's something that needs to be done about this. And we wrote about the arts and how the arts, uh, there's artists and, and musicians that are just not getting any kind of credit, but they are doing incredible work. And just all these different kind of issues that 
It's the, funny. And the comedians. And yeah. the comedians, yeah. <laughs> but that, you know, it all kind of worked out to where at the end, what I said to the people who were running City B at the time, it's like, you know, what you ought to say on the cover, not that you would ever do this, because this is not the Cincinnati way, but what you should say is, for 20 years, we've been right. And you, you know, we were right and you were wrong. <laughs> And we won, you know, I mean, all these culture wars, whatever you want to talk about, we won. We were, we were right all along. We, we so, should talk to Dan. I think he's still there and get a city beat shirt. We were right. You were wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, not that, you we know, to say that somehow we had any special insight, but it's just, if you think about it, all of those issues that people used to fight about 20 years ago, they've all been resolved. Yeah. I know we're still writing about them. No, no, no. And we're still fighting about them. But really, they were resolved. But don't sell yourself short. I mean, you you had a lot of influence on keeping people in the know about those issues. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, it wasn't just a here's our opinion on yeah. where you should be. It's like you might not even know this is an issue. True. I remember one of the things I'm the most proud of is I remember when Mark Mallory ran for mayor, and he had been a state rep, and you know his father had been in politics, so. In the black community, the Mallory name was pretty well known, but I think wider it was not well known. And he was running against David Pepper for mayor. And I liked David Pepper a lot. I like, but I didn't really know Mark Mallory very well. Um, so uh, he came in one time and we uh, had a long talk uh, and we ended up endorsing Mallory for mayor because I just thought not only did I like him, and did I think that he had some good ideas? But I just thought, you know, at that point, since I had never had a directly elected a, a black man or woman as mayor, and I just thought, you know, this is it's time for this. It's uh, it's time for Cincinnati to kind of get over some of this stuff and embrace somebody like this, a true progressive, somebody that's kind of an outsider, even though he had grown up here. And, and again, he was well known within the, the black community. And I got a lot of crap from that because there were two Democrats running against each other. And I thought, so the establishment was sort of, had sort of, of the Democrats, which is a subset of a subset, but had kind of coalesced around David Pepper. And a, and a lot of people said to me, we want you, we need City Beat to endorse David Pepper. And I, I didn't. And, uh, and, and Mark won and he was mayor for two terms. And, you know, not that... He owes us anything, but I just thought that was a classic example of we really, I, more than the Enquirer or anybody else, we really wrote about who he is, what his platform is, what his ideas are, and this is somebody you should really take seriously. Just as an aside, because this is something I've always wondered. So, like, when a, when a paper endorses a candidate, is that the editor, is it finally rests on you? Do you do, like, an internal vote? Like, I've always been, I've always wondered how that process works when you know, and a paper especially says, like, we endorse this person. So it depends on the size. Like the Enquirer, uh, they would have an editorial board, which is their publisher, their editor, I think some like their news editor and a couple of other people. And from what I understood with them, it was always it was a group kind of dynamic. Um, but at City Beat, it was me. I, I did that by myself. <laughs> um, and I would talk to our. Uh, the people who are covering news, but I didn't want to put them in a position of contributing to the endorsements because then they had to go back and face these people and like try to cover them objectively. And I didn't want them to say, well, I 
you know, I endorse this person over this person, but then go back and say, oh, you know, I, I don't really care when clearly they do care. So I never wanted to put them in that position because they had to deal with these people. So that was it was just me. I decided and I, I wrote it all. Cool. Yeah. And, but, you know, and but beyond that, it wasn't just what I at least what I tried to do was it just, wasn't just here are my friends or here's who I like or here's who paid took me out to dinner or that kind of thing. It was, I really move more papers. Yeah. This this is going to move more papers. It was really like, try to figure out like as best I could, like what I, what I really thought was the best person or the yes or no on a certain issue. What was best in our, the way we look at the world, you know, not. So if we think that we were all about progressive ideas, is this, if I vote yes or no on this, is how's that going to move this forward? And if if it's David Pepper against Mark Mallory, who is going to move the city forward quicker and better? Um, and not just who did I like more, kind of thing, you know. So, in wrapping up, what would you? What is your vision for the city? Like, what would you like to see the city's next big thing, or continue doing, or stop doing, or? <sighs> You know, I don't think there's anything to stop doing because I think everything, even the even the, the stuff that's weird, again, politics and arguments over streetcar and all that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, we should always be arguing and talking about that stuff. But I'd love to see – I mean, one of the things that I love the best about what's going on right now is is how many entrepreneurs there are in Cincinnati and, and the support system with things like Centrifuge and the Brandery and – um, all these other things that are supporting. So if you have an idea for a business, and maybe this wasn't the case when you guys were starting out, it certainly wasn't the case back in the 90s when we were starting out with CityBeat, but that there's an opportunity to get some mentorship and even some funding through some of these programs. And I think I'd love to see more people open businesses, small, you know, everything, all kinds of businesses. Maybe not apparel. Not but, apparel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you got the, yeah. the ice cream you can get I'm drunk kidding. on and yeah. the s'more store. And but I think, I think small <laughs> businesses, especially in neighborhoods, you know, all these neighborhood business districts need new ideas, you know, yeah. like in Clifton, there's only so many Indian restaurants and stuff like that, that we can have in Clifton. We need, or Northsider, and you could just go on and on and on. Yeah. You need new businesses, yeah. new ideas, and I think I'd love to see that continue. Yeah, St. Bernard, you know, like it, it was so, so such a Mayberry place growing up for me, and then it kind of, you know, started to take a dip, and then now there's like the, you know, the Vine Street corridor right through the, t- you know, they've turned a funeral home into a brewery. Yeah. It's just like, it's fun to see like my little hometown, mm-hmm. you know, starting to get the... Well, the breweries, how they're... I mean, pleasant or north side treatment, yep. yeah. Yeah, you know, North. I mean, in College Hill, and Northside, and Saint Bernard, and all kinds of places, brew pubs. Uh, you know, breweries are like uh, economic development engine almost for almost practically every <laughs> up and coming neighborhood has a brewery now. Yeah, I always I wonder. That's something I wonder about is how long that's going to keep going. Yeah. You know that that's going to slow down, and there won't, if there won't be some kind of backlash against craft beer. I, yeah, I you got to think of the trends, but I mean, I don't yeah. know. I mean, people are supposedly going back to drinking light beers, but hey, look at Braxton. They got their garage beers that taste kind of like Bush Light. I was yeah. like, oh man, this is really different. And it's like, 
it's all intentional, so it looks like they're staying, a, staying ahead of it. Well, people aren't mad at wine, or, and those things have been around yeah. you know, for ages. And there's ages. plenty of yeah. vineyards and coffee shops. Coffee shops everywhere, I yeah. know. So I don't know, but but that would probably be my number one thing is is um, small businesses. Continue. And then and then I think my wife works at the Playhouse, and I've always been a big supporter of the arts. And I just think, you know, again, even, even today, I, and even with the renovation of Music Hall and the renovation that's about to open at Union Terminal um, and the new Shakespeare Theater and things like that, I, I still think that not as many people as they should – really appreciate the arts in Cincinnati. I mean, the traditional stuff like the symphony and the opera, but also crazy little yeah, art yeah, galleries. Absolutely. Photo focus. That yeah, photo thing. focus. Yeah. You know, and Blink's another one. I mean, Blink is just a bunch of local people coming up with things and shining lights against buildings, you know, and they created this event around it. So anybody, I mean, that's just two guys basically doing that. You yeah. Know, who started Brave Berlin and now other people have, I mean, it's more than just that now, but sure. but it's just a couple of guys, and they got some funding, and yeah, Steve is great. I've, People's Liberty has been a big thing where it's given out money to people to just try things, and I think, I mean, that is is a huge factor. I think in where we're at today, where people could get five or ten thousand dollars from People's Liberty and go do something silly, you know, or fun, you know, do a gut a building in Camp Washington and put a swing inside of it. You know, have you guys been to that, the no. swing house? <laughs> what? Oh, my God. No. Oh, it's no. crazy. Swing house, it's called. It's a two-story building. <laughs> Sounds like that'd be amazing. Completely <laughs> inside of it. It's completely gutted. That was, that was a funny he one. Hangs <laughs> a, uh, yeah, he hangs a swing, and you just go and you swing, and it's an art gallery now. You know, wow. You got to make reservations? No. I think you just show up. <laughs> just it's Camp <laughs> Washington. Just Come go on. and swing. Right? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, there's like a lot. There's a lot going on, yeah, and crazy stuff like that. But who knows what that? What does that mean? I don't know. But you know, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it is cool. You know, because as somebody who travels as much as I do, and you know, I go to these other cities and I see so many things that I wish we had, and now we're getting them, and you know, and they're even better. And it's yeah, it's they're still better because it's because it's our people that are doing it. Yeah. You know? homegrown in a way even if the idea is borrowed you know i mean you're not the first people to ever make t-shirts but you know to to but you brought all this local knowledge and and your own expertise and and you know that's what it's about is you know there's no such thing as a really a new idea it's just a matter of taking things maybe from another city or or and combining it with something local and then all of a sudden you give it a local spin and it's new to cincinnati Here's hoping that if it's magazines or T-shirts, we <laughs> yeah. both have long careers. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so obviously, since I'm magazine, people can uh, can subscribe and and as they should because it really is yeah. it really is different than anything you're going to find online. It's just like the top shelf of yeah. of stories and, and you can also find it in places like you know Joseph Beth and at UDF and at Kroger. You know, if you just see it on the newsstand, you can buy it. But everything that's in the magazine is also online, so CincinnatiMagazine.com. It's just, it's, again, to me, I feel like the best things about the print version are the design and the longer stories. And neither of them really translate that well to your phone. Right. But, yeah. but you know, so I still think you should. It's like the vinyl record craze. Yeah. Right. You know, maybe people will go back right. and pick right. up a magazine yep. again. You don't have to wait for it wow. to download. Yeah. It doesn't this click is... all over the place. Yeah, it's... 
much more convenient. Well, you, you have to come back because we yeah. didn't even get to talk yeah. about like Best of Cincinnati yeah, sure. and all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, so, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, I hope you'll come back. Okay. Um, but can do you have your own social media people can follow you on? Or, or? I do not have personal. Okay. I do not. But the magazine has all that. It's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and they can find me on our website. Uh, they can contact me directly if they want. The other thing that I want to throw out there is that we um, uh, we use a lot of freelance writers and photographers and designers. So local people who have story ideas, they want to pitch me. Or even just say, I'd like to write for you. Do you have something that I could write? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm always looking for new ideas that way. And that is one thing that I've been doing since I've been at the magazine is I brought in some some just some new people to write, you know, just kind of a new point of view and a new writing style. So if you're a writer out there and you have an idea, feel free to pitch me on it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Hear that, P.F.? Yes. Uh, I wrote for Linda. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll definitely. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, and then finally, uh, we always ask our guests to give us a word um, that is a coupon code people can use between now and when the next episode comes out. <laughs> so if you were going to give us a word that uh, sums up this wow. episode, what would that word be? Well, this is a difficult word to spell, and so you probably want easier words to spell. But I would say renaissance because I think Cincinnati is truly in the middle of a renaissance. I mean, we are – so many things are just going in the right direction, and um, and I think we need, to, we need to celebrate that. I mean, not only do we all need to take advantage of that as business people, but we need to celebrate it. Yeah, so Google the word renaissance. We'll try to... Uh, or if you want an easier word, cool. then you just use my last name, Fox. So yeah. that's a little easier to spell. We'll do, One we'll do both. Yeah. Okay. okay. I like renaissance. get to 25%. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Let's do that. You can go through all the... But you have to spell it correctly. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. Great. So uh, <laughs> until the next episode comes out, you can use the word renaissance or Fox. Yeah. To save, uh, <laughs> to save on your order. It's you get more before. if you spell the bigger word. That's right. right. 25%. We'll do it. We'll do right. it for this uh, one episode. And uh, same goes in store. So uh, come in, give us the code word in the, in the next uh, week, and, uh, and and get some savings. Thank you so much You're for welcome. being here. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on the Cincy Shirts Podcast. John Fox. You can find Cincinnati Magazine at newsstands all over the tri-state and online at CincinnatiMagazine.com. City Beat, similarly, is in bars and restaurants and other establishments around town, and it's free to pick one up. It's online at CityBeat.com. And it's weird, I prefer Cincinnati Magazine in physical form, but I read City Beat, which I also write for, full disclosure, uh, online. I don't hardly ever pick up the physical copy of that. Uh, anyway, as always, we invite you to plunder the Cincy Shirts podcast archives. Uh, lots of great episodes back in there. John Keyes, better talking about WKRP, Amy 
Amy Yazbek uh, from Movies and TV talking about her late husband, John Ritter, as well as being in the movie Robin Hood Men in Tights, uh, being on like 70 episodes of Wings. She was a cast regular on that show as well. Dean Gregory from Montgomery Inn had some great stories about like Bob Hope, James Brown, George W. Bush, uh, all those folks visiting the restaurant. And uh, also, let me see, Frank uh, Marzullo, Randy Rico, your old pal Duke Sinatra from the Gary Burbank Show, Finn Rock, Mo Egger. Uh, just go to the list on our Podbean page. Um, if you go to iTunes, it just lists them all right there from 48 back down to 1. So it's really easy to find them that way as well. And, of course, it's also in Spotify and Google Play and wherever else you get your podcasts, of course. And if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, info at Cincy Shirts, and put podcast guest in the subject line. Be sure to tell your friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. Maybe they went to school here or they used to work here or, you know, vice versa. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia, just like John Fox. You can find all their music in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We have a lot of defunct sports teams, old shopping centers, restaurants, uh, similar to Cincy Shirts, but you know for those particular towns. And in case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is Renaissance. That's going to get you 25% off. Uh, that's just a this episode only thing because you have to do some work for this one. You have to know how to spell Renaissance or at least know how to Google it and then copy and paste it into the website. So uh, you can get 20% off if you just want to use the word Fox, which is, uh, of course, John's last name. So use Fox to get 20% off. Use Renaissance to get 25% off at CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com. You can also use the code in our physical stores in OTR, Hyde Park, and now Loveland, of course. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest in shirts news tell your friends about the show give us a review wherever you got the podcast from and as always download or stream us next time bye I said goodbye